Welcome to Pro Se, Law 360's weekly podcast. I'm your host, Amber McKinney, and I am very thankful for my two co-hosts, Alex Lawson. Gobble, gobble, my friends. It's great to be here. <laughs> and Haley Kanath. I don't know how to follow a gobble, gobble, but great to be here as well. <laughs> if this hasn't been a tip-off, it is our Thanksgiving week show, and every year, it's truly a tradition now. We've done it enough years. I think it qualifies We have a show where we just build it all out of offbeats. It's what we're most thankful for every year. They make us laugh, bring us joy. So each of us have brought one of our favorite offbeats to re-air for everybody and give a few updates. I've probably made this joke four or five times since we've been doing this, but I do like to think of it as you'll often hear people at Thanksgiving say that the side dishes are really where it's at. And that's what I like to think of this show as in a big way. It's a good analogy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and furthermore, you know, I think it's safe to say, I don't, I don't want to speak for you guys, we're, we're ready for a little bit of a break ourselves, you know, after almost a year now uh, of uh, turning out that, that uh, fresh content. And I wanted to share something that's like really typifying my headspace right now. I thought you guys would get a kick out of this. On Saturday, my family and I were going to a, to a birthday party and I was looking a little schlubby and I just went to a barber shop up the street to get my beard trimmed. And like my, my trimmer, I was like, I didn't feel like doing it myself. So I was like, walk in there, guy trims my beard. He's like, you want a haircut? And I said, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just going home, take a shower, and then I'll put myself together. And then he said, well, you can't walk out of here looking like that. <laughs> oh, my wow, God. burn. Now, I was, it was like 9 or 10 in the morning. And I was like, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't look good. I was like, I had like <laughs> bedhead and stuff. But I was like, I mean, this is a guy who works on tips. And I am just getting absolutely flamed <gasps> here. Boy. Uh, so anyway, he uh, he he just ran a comb through my hair very quickly, and uh, he's like, he's like, well, I can, <laughs> wow. he's like if, if people if people see you walk out and you're looking like that, they're gonna think you got a haircut, and I'm gonna lose business. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> oh my God, Alex, like, <laughs> uh, really a sign that you're ready for a break. That's I am. You need a break. Yeah, and uh, and you know, there's no better way to ring in break season. So I think we should just do it. Absolutely. Let's get into it. First side dish, shall we say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pack your bags. Join me in California. We are going to revisit a very entertaining lawsuit that followed the kidnapping of Lady Gaga's dogs. This clip is from episode 288. This was back in March. We are dipping into a lot of buckets here. Celebrities, dog theft law, um... <laughs> Tinseltown, where you reside, this is a big one. Hollywood, baby. Yes. Alex, today I'm, and uh, every day, I suppose, I'm coming <laughs> yes. coming to you live from approximately five to ten minutes from the Hollywood Hills, give or take, um, where I'm wildly speculating that the community is still reeling from the dog napping of Lady Gaga's French bulldogs back in 2021. I mean, I know I am, uh, and, and <laughs> you know, I I do remember hearing this story, and then there's been an update, which we'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. and it really kind of opened my eyes to how, like, messed up uh, this whole incident was. I mean, obviously, stealing someone's dog is, like, not a cool thing to do. I'm against it, but it's taken some wild Let turns. the record show. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not for that, uh, <laughs> just as a, as, a, as, a, as a policy matter, <laughs> but there have been... Um, even by that already kind of bizarre standard, some real interesting turns here. What are we talking about? Yeah. 
So the dogs, their names are Koji and Gustav. I looked mm-hmm. this up. Yeah, they thank were. You. They have long ago been returned safe and sound, and several individuals were also arrested. Well, one of those individuals who pled no contest to a charge of receiving stolen property is now suing Lady Gaga, claiming that she should have been paid a five hundred thousand dollar reward for returning. The dogs. <laughs> uh, this happens famously in the Mel Gibson movie Ransom, uh, which involves the kidnapping of a human child, and then Gary Sinise is That's like the right. Crooked, wow, Gary Sinise is like the crooked cop who was in on it. He was concealing his identity, but he tries to collect the reward, and you know all this stuff happens. This is wild though, because this woman isn't even pretending to have not been a part of the plot, but her exact sort of participation is kind of in question. The point is she was, you know, charged in the plot and is now saying she deserves to be paid for, uh, I don't know, having a come to Jesus moment or something. What do we need to understand here? To fully grasp this suit, we need to get into the particulars of that incident. As you may recall, I'm sure, you know, this incident it's just always on our minds. Um, <laughs> this was this was actually like a very violent dog napping situation. Very scary stuff. It was around 9.40 p.m. Two men jumped out of a car and demanded that Lady Gaga's dog walker hand over the animals. The dog walker refused, struggled with the men, and was actually shot in the chest before the dog nappers left with the dogs. And I do want to say right away, the dog walker survived. So... Yeah, Thank God. we were talking about this in the production meeting yesterday. I just remember when this first this story first bubbled up. I guess I didn't like read it that closely. It's kind of like one of those headline type of stories. You know, Lady Gaga's dogs kidnapped. Right. And I knew that they assaulted the guy. I assume they beat him up or something. I That was news to me that he was shot in the chest. And as you say, he, he uh, survived. But yeah, a lot more violent than I initially realized. Yeah, intense stuff. So later, this woman who filed the suit, her name is Jennifer McBride. She walked into an L.A. police station with the dogs, saying that she just came upon them. They were tied to a pole in the days following the robbery. But the cops later discovered that she actually had a relationship with the father of one of the two men accused of stealing them. And they said she was clearly involved in the whole thing because there's video of her essentially waiting for the dogs to be dropped off. She's just like pacing back and forth. And then they get dropped off, tied to this pole, and she just immediately walks over and gets them. So she was eventually convicted and sentenced to two years of probation. And that kind of brings us up to speed. She she was the bag man, clearly. I mean, you know, (laughs) you you don't have to have seen too many heist movies to understand how that works. That's crazy, though. I mean, what is she saying here? I mean, she's if she was found to be an accessory to the crime, but she's saying the money was promised and I literally walked into the police station with the dogs and the covenant should be honored. I mean, what are the claims? She, I should say right off the bat, her lawsuit doesn't make any mention of her conviction or the fact that she was involved, like none of that, which I mean, hey, probably a I don't know if we can call any of this for, you know, yeah, a good legal strategy. But (laughs) yeah, you're telling your version of the story. It'll come out if it gains if it it legs. We already know the particulars. But yes, don't mention it if you don't have to. But so she's saying that Lady Gaga promised a five hundred thousand dollar reward with no questions asked. 
And so she should get that money. No questions asked. Specifically, she's alleging that Lady Gaga never intended to honor that offer. McBride said she was questioned about her role in the whole thing and she shouldn't have been. And as a result, she suffered pain and suffering, mental anguish and loss of enjoyment of life because she missed out on that reward. Um, It's worth mentioning as well that she is not seeking $500,000. She is seeking $1.5 million in damages. I am curious. I mean, we work. It's a it's a wild story. And it's we're talking about it here at the end of the show somewhat glibly. I mean, it is kind of an interesting thing. I'll, I'll be curious to see if it gets any legs, if there's like some sort of implied covenant here, like if some common law contract should be invoked. Right. Um, you know, I mean, she literally walked into the police station with the animals in question um, has there been any kind of early response to this? I mean, it's 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 early. It's you know, it was just like a couple of weeks ago. But any any early takeaways? Yeah, there has been some, and it's really interesting. As you said, this is just a really unique legal situation. Um, the LA Times actually talked to an LA County Deputy District Attorney who said that if Lady Gaga suffers any financial loss stemming from the crime. And that could include paying a reward, then McBride and the other dependents might end up having to pay for that because prosecutors could seek restitution on behalf of Lady Gaga. Uh, <laughs> so she, this prosecutor is sort of saying, like, I even if Lady Gaga is like, okay, sure, like have the reward even though you were involved, ultimately, then the reward is going to have to be paid back to Lady You're robbing Gaga. Peter to pay Paul here a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very mind uh bending stuff here. But uh hey, I'm I'm keeping my eyes on the hills. I'm glad the dogs are safe and sound and I'm eager to see how this all plays out. I do wonder if it kind of put a jolt through the celebrity dog walking community. Because I mean, oh man, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and I'm, I'm kind of being serious about that. I mean, it's like as we've said. I mean, it's violent crime, and you know, clearly they were targeted here. Little Koji and little Gustav, you know, whimpering, fearing for their lives, and you know, the the to say nothing of the human beings that have to get them from here to there without incident. Um, yeah, well, I don't know if this is a world that you traffic in, or if you like know anything about this the as a resident. Thing- The only thing I will say is (laughs) the other threat to the dog walking community at large in my area was the mountain lion that lived in Griffith Park for 12 years. P-22? Do I have that right? Yes, P-22. It may have been... I read it the may have been that he was 12 years old and he lived in Griffith Park for 10 years. I might have that wrong. But in any event, P-22, near the end of his life, just started eating dogs. (laughs) Oh, no. Just... People would be walking their dog on a leash and P-22 would be like, yo, that looks tasty. And See? just just chomp that chihuahua straight down. See, this is a classic example, though. I mean, when, when P-22 died, the media was just so eager to throw roses at this guy's feet. The beloved <laughs> mountain lion that we all know. Meanwhile, scant mention. This is true service journalism by you. Scant mention of the of the of, you know the various phytos and spots that he was scooping up on the reg. So I mean, anyway, he only got a few in well, 
in defense well, yeah. of the national media, I will say that our <laughs> local outlets were doing fantastic. Okay, well that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, well, they're doing great work, and so are we. Clearly, rip to P twenty two. Yeah, and I so, miss the guy. Yeah. So we do actually have some updates on this one. Lady Gaga, after the filing of this suit, she tapped Gibson Dunn to represent her in the case. Her attorneys at Gibson Dunn made some uh, arguments that we sort of touched on in the offbeat ourselves here, uh, but they essentially said the law does not allow a person to commit a crime and then profit from it. Yeah, that seems pretty logical as a response <laughs> from them. I think that yeah. we all expected that. Yeah. Airtight, they, airtight argument, yeah. Yes. <laughs> a, and to your point, a Los Angeles County judge absolutely agreed with them, was like, yep, that, that sounds right to me. Um, and the suit was dismissed in July, though I will say McBride has since filed an amended complaint, and that one has not yet been fully thrown out. Um, but back to that dismissal order, I do have a quote to share with you all. The judge, again, really agreed with uh, Lady Gaga's points here and said, the allegations in the complaint are directly related to wrongful conduct that plaintiff pleaded guilty to in the criminal proceeding. Under the circumstances, plaintiff's successful pursuit of her current claims would allow her to benefit from her admitted wrongdoing. So, pretty straightforward there. Um, the only other thing I will add about this clip, because, you know, this is, this is an emotional uh, event in my life, is we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of the death of my former neighbor, <laughs> the beloved mountain lion, P-22. That will be on December 17th. And I didn't realize it was coming up um, until we were prepping for this. And I'm now I'm curious if we're going to have like a, you know, a big memorial service or something for him. Because they did have a funeral at the Greek theater for him. Oh, and it, the like, Greek. And it sold out. Like <laughs> wow. there were thousands of people there. That's that's some real peak LA hipster stuff, Haley. And I don't use that term. <laughs> hey. I, don't, I don't use that term lightly. Now, listen, there are... <laughs> And I'm when saying they, that. Wait, when the Brooklyn hipster accuses the LA people of being hipsters, I don't know what's happening well, here. I was just about to say there was not to not to steal P22's thunder here. There was a there was a moment of panic a couple of weeks ago on on uh, New York City Twitter that uh, Flacco, the owl that escaped from uh, from the zoo here and camped out in Central Park, was was no longer with us or had <gasps> or had fled to other climates or something. Then he was spotted again in the East Village, uh, oh, probably having well. a coffee or something. Uh, so, <laughs> goes okay. P twenty two is not, and we miss him. Rest in peace, King. Okay, if you're, uh, you know, Lady Gaga, known for her many uh, inventive collaborations that you wouldn't always see coming, this certainly qualifies, I think, as we are going to next revisit uh, a story about another great musician. Uh, this uh, this involves the seminal late 90s, early 2000s, and still active rapper Afro Man and his, uh, his entanglements with law enforcement. This is uh, episode 292. That was back on April 7th. We like to end our show with something offbeat, and we have an awesome one to talk about today involving a rapper who is a real nostalgia trip for me. I'm sure for you too as well, Amber. And just take it away from there because I want to get right into this. I'm so excited. So I had a friend bring this story to my attention and once I dived into the details, I knew we had to talk about it on the show. 
So really happy to get those kinds of tips out there in the world, especially when it's about Afro Man. Alex, Mm -hmm. you just said it was a nostalgia trip. Haley, do you remember Afro Man? Oh, yes. Okay, great. For any of the listeners who don't, best known for his 2000s hit, Because I Got High, I think that'll make a lot of people click into who this is. He's been sued by a group of Ohio police officers who executed a warrant on his home. Those officers are alleging that in the aftermath of the raid, Afroman violated their privacy by using video footage of the raid in various online posts and some songs. This is awesome. I mean, just in all of its, I mean, obviously the police using force to raid your home is a serious thing, but the way that this is kind of spooled into a whole other saga is endlessly fascinating to me. And let's start with this raid itself. What were they doing there? What were they after? Seven officers executed a search warrant on Afferman's home in Ohio on suspicion of drug trafficking and kidnapping. He himself has even made some jokes about how drug trafficking would make more sense given his, you know, song history. Well, he has a song <laughs> called Because I Got High. Right. So, But the rapper, whose real name is Joseph Foreman, he wasn't home during the raid, but his ex-wife lives nearby, saw the police were there, so she rushed over, had their kids, their kids with her, uh, started filming parts of the raid on her cell phone. And also, the home is equipped with a lot of home security cameras, so that also captured a bunch of footage of the officers in action. In the following days, Afferman posted footage from the incident on his Instagram page and a bunch of other social media channels. The search, I want to point out, did not uncover any criminal evidence and no charges were filed. Okay, that was my big question. What did they find? So they found nothing. How did we get to this lawsuit? Okay, so Afferman was pissed, but pretty creatively inspired by the whole ordeal. And the social media posts started coming. A real artist. Yeah, just pouring out of him these posts. They were on Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, everywhere he could put them, he did. The deputies claim that Afro-Man has embarrassed and humiliated them with videos and posts that mocked them individually, (laughs) including one that compared an officer to the father from Family Guy and also nicknamed him Lemon Pound Cake. (laughs) The deputies from the Adams County Sheriff's Office said Foreman violated Ohio privacy law by using their personas without permission and also presented them in a false light and gave unreasonable publicity to their private lives and also profited from all of these images that he was sharing. I, first of all, I didn't even know he was still making music. So that was, it's always nice to have a reminder that people like that are still uh, giving us these lyrical treasures. I'm a huge, I was a huge Afro-Man fan back in the day. But I want to go back to something you said. Did you say he nicknamed one of the cops Lemon Pound Cake? Why, yes, Alex, I did. And thank you so much for keying in on the entire reason I'm talking about the story. One clip captured during the raid shows an officer appearing to basically do a double take at a lemon pound cake (laughs) on Afro-Man's kitchen counter. So Afro-Man started posting about that little detail, first with social media posts, and then he recorded a song called Lemon Pound Cake that talks about the incident, compares the sheriff to Peter Griffin, and generally makes fun of them. The video, which you can watch on YouTube, the song video, it shows the sheriff roaming around the kitchen, his gun is fully drawn, and then he's looking at that cake. They found no kidnapping victims, just some lemon pound cake. Mama's lemon pound cake. It tastes so nice It made the sheriff wanna put down his gun 
and cut him a slice. Of what? Of what? I watched this entire video before our recording, and what a true joy. I the know. crowd sings along. Like he has, he's been like performing this before live audiences. And I didn't know lemon pound cake as a phrase would also be so catchy. So there's that. It is. It's a banger. So, you know, Afterman's gone hard on the trolling of these sheriffs. So he has used their actual, as that lemon pound cake video shows, has used their actual names and images all across the social media platforms. He's also written other songs, too, about the cops' behavior here. So that's just one example, probably the one most people have heard of so far. But there's a few others, too. He's even made T-shirts with their photos and nicknames he's given them on the shirts, and he's selling them on his website. So other than the moniker Lemon Pound Cake, I would also like to inform you he's named one of them Quasimodo. Very literary. Mm -hmm. He also has a cruder nickname for one of the female deputies that's related to Mona Lisa. And the trolling is just pretty intense here. He's really going hard at this. Uh, I do want to say, regardless of the fact that he was there executing a raid that ultimately turned up no evidence of criminal wrongdoing or anything like that, on a sort of mammalian instinctual level, I mean, lemon pound cake is one of the tastiest desserts you can have. Delicious. And I'd certainly give it a glance if I was just, if I just saw it out on the table. So that's just my own little offering. It's a fair aside, Alex, because even in the song, Afro Man does talk about like how it's tasty and was, I think he says it's his mama's. So sure, sounds right. That made the pound cake. So yeah, of course, looks delicious. What sort of redress are the deputies looking for here? Clearly they're embarrassed. Clearly they've been called names. Uh, what is the, the remedy? Well, they're asking for what you would imagine they would want. They want Afroman to permanently and immediately take down the videos, the photos, and also, of course, stop selling that merch with their images on it. They've also asked for more than $100,000 in damages and some other unspecified amounts of punitive damages on top of that. Afroman doesn't seem to be backing down in any way here. He is pledging to countersue for the unlawful raid, for money he says was stolen during the raid, for damage to a list of his relationships from the fallout of this, including what he refers to as his clients, his family, his career, physical property damage. So he's vowing to countersue. But he also said this, which I thought was quite telling about where we find ourselves in culture these days. This is a quote from Afferman. When they kicked the door in, money kicked the door in. Material kicked the door in. I didn't have anything to write about. When they kicked down that door, they gave me relevant, interesting material. I was like a carpenter with no wood. They brought the wood. They brought the wood. Well said, Afro man. <laughs> I did. Uh, and I mean, beautiful. All joking aside, I mean, it is kind of interesting. I and mean, I don't know if it'll really get traction. It's kind of some interesting legal theory at play, which I don't really want to speculate on. I did just want to offer one more anecdote before we get out of here. One of the first times I ever got in trouble, like really in trouble for like listening to like vulgar music was my mom overheard me playing the Afro Man song, Crazy Rap, better known as Cult 45 and Two Zigzags. And I will not, I, and she was really, nice. she was really mad. I was in high school and she was like, what is that? And I didn't grow up in a, like they weren't like really religious or anything like that. And I, I watched a lot of rated R movies and stuff and they weren't like really protective of it, but this really set her off. And I am not going to repeat any of those lyrics on this show, but if you look them yeah, up, keep you'll PG, uh, Alex. Yeah, well, if you look them up, you'll probably understand where she was coming from. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I just wanted to share that anecdote. That's what I bring to the table in this discussion. You know, we all have some some memories of Afferman, and this may give a whole new generation songs of his to enjoy. So That's a good point. Something to keep an eye on here about how that all shakes out. But thank you so much for letting me indulge in explaining that story to you guys today. 
Afro Man still cranking out heaters, uh, you know, <laughs> decades into his career now. Both. Oh, in- man. I just, the <laughs> lemon pound cake, it's catchier than you'd think. It is That's a banger. Yeah, I mean, we said it at the time, and I was, and I, I, I stand by it now. It's always great to revisit stuff like that. That's kind of what the whole idea of the show is about. I but. guess instead of side dish, <laughs> that one's a dessert. That's a good point. Yeah, okay. I hadn't uh, look at look at you. Uh, this is yeah, it's exactly right. And um, this is another one we actually have some quite interesting movement on. You know, we had, as you heard there, we we had our fun about the very humorous specifics of that case, but it did seem to pose at least a handful of interesting legal questions, and we weren't wrong to think that. So this is a, in a ruling from uh, uh, October 13th, so just, just over a month ago, the Ohio judge that was overseeing this case threw out the officer's claims against Afro Man relating to invasion of privacy by misappropriation and unauthorized commercial use. So that relates to the claims that are like, you're profiting off our likenesses and our images without Um, without our consent, and we deserve a cut of that. Here was a quote from that part of the ruling. While their quality and appropriateness may be questioned, Afro Man's artistic and musical renderings have substantial and creative content, which outweighs any adverse effects on plaintiffs in terms of their right of publicity. I don't think I would agree with the judge that the quality of Afro Man's artistic renderings can be questioned. But again, <laughs> that's a matter of opinion, and that's, it's literally his opinion. So what am I going to say? But here's the notable thing. So that stuff all got thrown out. But all the other claims in the suit, which basically are grouped under defamation, it also includes more bespoke state charges, like it's called like portrayal in a false light, unreasonable publicity of private lives, but basically all grouped under what we would understand as defamation were allowed to proceed. Um, and the, the base, the, the judge's reasoning behind that was that many of Afro man's comments on the deputies appeared to be statements that he was asserting as fact rather than opinion, which is a central question, which we've discussed many times when we talk about defamation cases. Um, for example, Afro man posted on social media that, uh, the deputies wanted to kill him, uh, that one of them stole money from him, that another one of them was a lesbian. Um, so these are all sort of, you know, that, that at least at the dismissal stage, the judge said, there's enough smoke here. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't even do nice. that on purpose, you guys. guys <laughs> nice. I'm, just, I'm just grinding out the tape here. <laughs> anyway, there's enough actionable, uh, you know, questions there for, for to at least proceed. Uh, here was kind of a, a nice little button that summed up uh, where, where, where the judge landed at this stage. In this case, the value that seems to be at issue here is not the monetary value of the officer's likenesses, which appears to be nominal. Instead, the issue appears to be the humiliation and outrage that the officers feel at having their likenesses displayed and mocked by the defendant. Undoubtedly, they also feel aggrieved by their investigative actions being questioned publicly. So, you know, we can, we can, I think, at this stage, file this one away and, like, things that, it definitely was funny. I don't think we misplaced it in the show at that time, but we'll keep an eye on it. There could be some, uh, some interesting, uh, you know, peeling away at the layers here. We'll, uh, uh, and I, you don't have to twist my arm to keep paying attention to this case, frankly. I'm so happy to hear we may have more to talk about with that one because it is so entertaining and, like you said, legally interesting. I'm going to switch us for our final one to one that may be a bit less legal. But guys, when we started building a show that's our best of offbeat for 2023, 
my mind only went to one place, and that place is Cocaine Bear. I want to talk about <laughs> Cocaine yes. Bear again as many times as possible. So let's listen back. It's from episode 286 that was back in February. Amber, we're talking movies again, which I'm always excited about. And you have the floor. Alex, this weekend we have what I would call a drop into the history of cinema that I think will probably rival great achievements like Snakes on a Plane. And that is the release of Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard of this one, but it's a movie described on Wikipedia as a dark comedy action film that's inspired by the true story of a American black bear who got into some coke in the 80s. So excited. Love it. I remember where I was when I first saw the trailer. Yeah. Um, Just, I mean, yeah, we're going to get to that. Um, <laughs> so I, I will say, I mean, why am I allowed to talk about Cocaine Bear on that this That was program? my question. What are we, I mean, not that you have to twist my arm to talk about Cocaine <laughs> Bear, but what, but what are we talking about? It? I did propose this when the trailer first dropped, and we're, we waited till this weekend because the movie comes out this weekend. We can wait on a news peg, folks. We can. Don't, we can. don't try and sneak one by us. We can time a segment, all right? I do believe this, this is going to be up there with some of my other crowning achievements on this podcast. It's so ridiculous, and I'm going to be honest, there's only a little legal connection, but it's giving me enough cover to riff on Cocaine Berry, and I want to talk about this movie, so we're doing it. It does all come back to based on true events. So I'd like to sort of unfurl that for you guys a little bit as we continue to talk. Yeah, I want to talk about it. I do want to say, and you, you mentioned Snakes on a Plane at the top. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to see the movie because it's, you know, very silly. I am always a little bit skeptical of movies that like sort of seem like reverse engineered for memes. I mean, sure. like I love memes. Haley, I know you do as well. But it like there's like a 2009 era like internet comedy vibe about this whole thing where it was like, oh my god, bacon and cats and ninjas <laughs> and cocaine bear. So I I don't mean to be a party pooper, but that is like kind of my okay. initial thing. But oh anyway, yeah, the, the, I think the, it'll be bad. Maybe well, look, I, don't, I don't know. Hot it's, take. It's fine to have those initial takes. I mean, it's very clear that all three of us have watched the trailer yeah. for this movie. For anybody who's like, what, what are you talking about? Cocaine bear, what? It looks ridiculous. It's literally a coked up bear killing people throughout the forest, jumping towards speeding ambulances that are trying to get away. You know, the works. It's mm -hmm. got it all. I don't want to do that thing where I'm like, well, actually, but it's a pretty huge exaggeration of what did actually happen with the real cocaine bear. And there was one that's real. So I'm going to kind of fact check our way through this story just a little. And then, you know, we'll see that legal tattoo, which is my cover for being able to talk about this on the program. Go full Neil deGrasse Tyson on us. Tell us that if a bear actually does cocaine, certain things happen and it doesn't involve mauling Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, <laughs> if a bear does cocaine in the woods, does anyone hear it? Yeah, There's something there. Great. I don't know. Not to get all philosophical here. <laughs> well, what? Okay. okay. What, what are the facts as we know them? Back in 1985, an ex-narcotics officer named Andrew Thornton brought more than 800 pounds of cocaine back from Colombia into the United States by plane. He thought he heard on the radio that federal agents were on his tail, and he ditched the duffel bags of the cocaine midair. Then he also bailed out of the plane 
And turns out that was a very bad decision because he was found dead in a Tennessee driveway from that oh, no. choice. Thornton is, in fact, our legal part here. He was a lawyer before he became the head of a drug smuggling ring in Kentucky called The Company, which Sick. I like that little detail. Good branding. Uh-huh. Thornton at times was a police officer. He was even a member of the Lexington Police Department's narcotics squad in the 1970s, so some irony as well. He later took night classes at the University of Kentucky College of Law. He earned his law degree. He practiced in Lexington. But while he was practicing, he had this shadow role as a drug kingpin. He's like Stringer Bell. He's taken like <laughs> business classes. I mean, this, he's taking law classes. Uh, Stringer took business classes, right? Sure. Yeah. Great wire reference. Love that. Yeah. So in addition to the movie Cocaine Bear, I'm going to make another TV reference here. Thornton's death served as an, the inspiration for a story arc on the TV show Justified. And full disclosure for all my friends who are listening to this podcast, I know you've all told me to watch Justified and I haven't gotten to it yet, but I will. I promise. It's a great show I've heard. And this is a plot point in one of the seasons. That's all good to know. But we're obviously, we're here for the bear and we're here for the coke. So when does that come in? Thank you for getting me back on track. We've done that pesky legal part where I told you who was a lawyer in this story. Yeah, I mean, a guy was a lawyer and he... He was a lawyer. And That's he, had, it. And he was facilitating some coke. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. So... This is actually where I am leaning hard on the well, actually, of this program. All right. Uh, it's a lot less gory than I suspect the movie is going to go for here. The drugs that fell from the plane into a Georgia, they fell into a Georgia National Park. A bear got into them. So that part's real. The bear got coked up, but never actually killed anybody. The bear actually died of an overdose surrounded by 40 so open containers with traces of cocaine in them. And so, striking Aww. visual, if nothing else. Like so many mammals before him died of a cocaine overdose. Very sad. So I know that part's sad. And I, so I specifically saved this fact as a little pick-me-up for you guys. The bear did get a nickname. And the nickname is Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Okay, okay I like that. That's right? good. That's good. That's Feels good. good, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. They I like, should use I like that, that in the too. movie. I hope that they do. It's, it's too good to leave behind, I would presume. But okay, so Bear goes out as a legend. He was eventually, because of that status, stuffed. <laughs> he was owned for a time oh, by country music star Waylon Jennings. And then he was acquired and ended up at a mall in Kentucky. That's at least where he was the last story I read about it. He may have been moved again because wow. you know, publicity from the movie, but... This, the stuffed version of Pablo Escobar does exist. <laughs> and I like knowing that about the world. I don't like knowing that. I, that's, <laughs> I feel bad for Pablo Escobar. That's not how, he doesn't want to be chilling in a mall. His just corpse I know, it's just, kind of sterile, right? It's just kind of, it's such a cool way to go out. And then you're there with like, this family's like stumbling out of Applebee's. And you're like, mm, Jimmy, <laughs> look at the bear, this bear. <laughs> I think you're you know. wrong. This is real fame, guys. I remember as a kid, an uncle who had like a, a bearskin rug from where he'd like hunted a bear or whatever. Oh, nice. That was just some random bear that scared me as I had to walk by that rug when I was a kid. This is much better. This is a famous bear with a great nickname living on. Yeah. His legacy. Memorialized. 
Yeah. Very interesting. I guess I would hope yeah. that he's at least inside a Cabela's or something. With- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Putting Some his- habitat? Yeah, that yeah. sounds like it would be better. No, I do not think that's where he was, Haley. So if he's still in that Kentucky Damn. Mall, maybe somebody's listening from Kentucky right now. Yeah, drop us a line and let us know. If by he's all still means. There. I also want to say, I'll, I'll, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll check out this movie at some point. And I thought that they were doing some very creative guerrilla marketing because a couple weeks ago, I saw you guys might have seen the news item that New Zealand police recovered more than three tons of cocaine floating in the Pacific Ocean. And it was like a drug <gasps> smuggling type of thing. Can and we that, get of course, cocaine in- shark? That exactly. Yeah. This invited a lot of commentary about how there, there's already a sequel here in the works for Cocaine Shark, and we'll see how that goes. Would watch yeah, that. I think. I so. think. I think I smell a pro se field trip in the works, and um, the Kentucky by way of New Zealand. <laughs> there you go. Or at least to see the movies. But yes. Anyway, really appreciate the indulgence at the end of the show, guys. Okay, so when we recorded this back in February, we placed it right as that movie was premiering widely. None of us had seen the movie at that point. So my first question (laughs) for everybody is, did we all watch Cocaine Bear? I'm sorry to disappoint you. I I threw it on whatever streamer it hit, um, took like half an edible and fell asleep. Uh, unfortunately. So, Haley, um, did you watch it? My bad. I I'm also shocked to report I didn't. I was fully planning to rush to the theaters to see that one just because it looked so ridiculous. And when you're, look, I'm sorry to say it, but when you're an AMC A-lister like myself, (laughs) you don't pay per film. So if this thing's going to be bad, who cares? But (laughs) sure. Ultimately. Is is upset with you though. She's, she's, she's upset. Ultimately, I I was prioritizing other things at the time, I suppose. And then the reviews were so bad that I just never watched it. You know what? I know I still haven't seen Oppenheimer. I'm behind, uh, but I have seen Cocaine Bear because oh I am true to my word. Oh, uh, I was excited okay. about this film and I did, in fact, see it. I also waited till it was on a streamer, but still, I've watched it. I am here to confirm that the reviews were correct. It was a disappointment. Well, you know, when you hatch a movie idea out of like what was essentially a meme of a story, I know it was like lightly true, you know, you got to. You really got to try and nail the specifics there. And um, I don't know. I, I can't tell if it went too big or not big enough. It mm, somewhat okay. landed in the middle in a way that was unsatisfying. But I still love the central conceit of cocaine bear. I just love that there's uh, that we all know what we mean when we say the words cocaine bear. Yes. I did mention in that segment as well that the attorney in the story, Andrew Thornton, the one who died when he jumped out of the plane, he was also featured in the TV show Justified. And I promised my friends who have said I absolutely should have watched that show and what's wrong with me that I didn't. I said that I was, in fact, going to get on that. And again, true to my word, I have been watching Justified this year. But here's another little tie in to Cocaine Bear. I've made it through the end of season three so far. Season four is when the storyline that includes the Andrew Thornton style character appears. So I am on the cusp of more Cocaine Bear content, guys. Wait, I'm going to get it, to it. Is it? I mean, I guess you didn't watch it. Is it literally in the story or it's like a ripped from the headlines kind of? Like... I believe it's a ripped from the headlines style. Okay. Thing. Well, so I mean, uh, I'll let okay. you know, though, because I'm going to start season four, maybe over this holiday break. I'll let you know. We also speculated a bit in the segment about where stuffed Pablo Escobar ended up. 
Yes. And, and had even said like, hey, any of our listeners in Kentucky, uh, let us know if the bear is still in that store. Well, instead of relying on the listeners, because lo and behold, no one got back to us with that information. I'm surprised. I mean, come yeah, on, really. folks. I know. Up. I know. Uh, Kentucky, get it together. Um, yeah. So instead, I did a little research before this, this recording. Pablo Escobar is still at the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall. It's basically oh. a, store, a big giant store. It's in Lexington. And he's been busy. Since we recorded the episode, Pablo Escobar has been officiating weddings. Uh, yeah. How? <laughs> How? How would he do such a thing? Well. He's a, he's, he's a stuffed meme format. Sure. But apparently <laughs> anyone that you in, imbue with the um, power to officiate for you is A-OK under Kentucky law according to the store's website. So you you still need a license to be legally married and all of that, but you can have any officiant you want. So the press release about this development of the bear being an efficient is amazing. Here's one of the lines I liked. There's a lot like this. It's just a sample. Hearts are racing. And this time it's not just because of all the powder. Hell oh, yeah. No. Come on. Come on. Like, we're come on. We're having fun. It's Lots a- of bear references. You get it. There's lots oh, of puns sure. in this. It's, it's great. So people can Google that if they're a pun addict like I am. So Cocaine Bear officiated a wedding on March 27th. And yes, I did watch a video clip where the owner of the store is in fact behind the bear with a microphone. Oh, no. So oh, like, the bear God. is facing the couple. Like, and he's just back there like, I won't say he's. He's not mimicking a bear voice or anything like that. But well, he's just sort of What would that be, Amber? He's, he's roaring into the microphone? A bear voice? Or like a yogi? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd take that too. I would take either of those choices. Absolutely. Okay, so... Hey, boo-boo, I need the cocaina. <laughs> the same store owner says there's now a waiting list of around 75 couples who want to be married by the bear. Okay, so, this is... This is especially interesting to me because just last month I officiated a wedding and oh. and I yeah I did learn a lot you know about how easy it is how like literally anyone under California law can do this anyone or anything assumed, in Kentucky Well I always assumed they needed a heartbeat yeah like uh, I assumed look. you needed to be alive to do it <laughs> that was the one the one requirement I didn't well, look he, very closely <laughs> at the requirements. It is perhaps a bit of a feint, and it's the store owner who's the actual on paper uh, official involved here. But he he can't like move the the taxidermied paw to sign the <laughs> marriage license. <laughs> oh, Haley, I'm loving that. Okay, there we go. So, long story short, it just felt like a good spot to end when we're approaching a holiday all about family. You know, this bears creating new familial relationships. I love it. This is why I keep coming back. We were going to put a put a cap on some goofy news stories that we talked about. And we're talking about Ursine matrimonial dominions. I mean, this is really <laughs> this is really, really quite something. And uh, and it's a been a pleasure as always, friends. Well, thanks to both of you for this episode, but also just all year making me laugh, joining me on these sort of zany stories we love to end on. Really appreciate it, Alex. Thank you. And Haley. Thank you. We also want to thank our producers, Kelly Marcano and Stephen Trader, and really all of our newsroom. We couldn't put together the show every week without the Law360 editorial staff, 
We absolutely need you guys and really appreciate all the input you give us all year long. Music for our show comes from Silent Partner and Kelly Marcano. If you like Pro Se, leave us a written review, five stars, anywhere you're listening right now. That helps other people find our show. If you do want to read more about any of the zany stories we talked about today, we do have some coverage. Head on over to law360.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week with a regular episode. See you then.